0: Hello there, I'm Carly Deering, and this is episode three of Off the Beatle Track, the podcast where I'm exploring the hidden history of the Beatles and hope to add even more colour, depth and breadth to the much-beloved story of the four lads who shook the world. Today's very special guest is Colin Hanton, who was the drummer in John Lennon's band The Quarrymen for three years between 1956 and 1959, during which time both Paul and George joined the group. Colin was with the Quarrymen on that infamous day at St Peter's annual church fête in Walton where John first encountered Paul and he played on the very first single that John, Paul and George ever recorded. Their versions of Buddy Holly's That Will Be The Day and a Paul and George composition in spite of all the danger. Colin's years with the Quarrymen have been documented in his recent biography, Prefab, which Colin wrote together with the wonderful Colin Hall, who I spoke to in the previous episode. If you've heard that interview, then you'll also know Prefab has now been made into a feature-length documentary with the same name, soon to go on general release. It was a real privilege to chat to Colin, and while we certainly talk about those three years in The Quarrymen, which you can read about in far more detail in his book... It was also fascinating for me to hear about the second incarnation of the band, which started up again in 1997, when Colin reformed the group with previous members, Pete Shotton, Eric Griffiths, Rod Davis and Len Garry. This has taken Colin all around the world, playing music, doing meet and greets and Q&As with fans of all ages, playing an important part in preserving the prehistory of the Beatles, but also of skiffle music and rock and roll. Colin was wonderful to chat to and I can't thank him and his lovely wife Joan enough for inviting me to their home for this once in a lifetime opportunity. So please enjoy, subscribe if you would like, leave a review or get in touch via my website OffTheBeetleTrackPod.com. Colin, thank you so much for your time and for welcoming me into your lovely home. I really appreciate
1: it. Well, you haven't seen a lot of my home, but thank you for
0: <laughs> being This room is lovely. <laughs> this is a lovely room. This is our
1: dining room. It's,
0: be- it's beautiful, and the, I like the clock because the clock has gone off and it made an owl noise, which is very specific. Are you into birds? Uh, yeah. I like watching birds, yes, yeah.
1: certainly do. I had a lot of bird books with My daughters have taken that
0: up now. Oh, that's nice. That's lovely. Well, we're here. Let's start then by talking about the book, Prefab, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Um, I loved it. I was lucky enough to speak to Colin Hall, as you know, in this last episode, Mm. and um, he told me his perspective on it, but I'd love to hear yours because it really is your story. Aside from being a a great social history of Liverpool and a pre-history of the Beatles, a history of the Quarrymen, it's your story and it was published in 2018. What yep. made you then decide, now is the time? Because you'd been interviewed countless times about your time <laughs> with The quarry men, but what was it about then?
1: Well, I suppose I realised that, you know, if I was gonna do a book, you know, time was running out. And to be honest with you, I, I flicked through so many books and I found so many mistakes. I thought, you know, this is crazy. If I don't, if I don't record, you know, the truth that I know it, you know, I could be leaving it too late, so. That's when I went up to Colin Hall because we have been friends for a while and asked him if he'd consider writing my book for me. So he thought about it overnight and for me the next day and said, I'd love to.
0: <laughs> yeah, he said how keen he was. Why do you think Colin was the right person to work with?
1: Well, I think he's just a great, well, he's a great guy. He's a great historian. He's done lots of, uh, he's done lots of magazines, you know, music magazines. So, I mean, he knows his stuff. Uh, so yeah, I just thought I was comfortable with Colin and I thought, you know, he would get it right. So so a lot of the stuff is down to Colin, to be honest with you. I talked a lot. I yeah. Just, he sent me home with uh, homework, you've got to try and find that this date and that date, and there wasn't much chance, to be honest
0: with you. Well, the book is really thorough, there's a lot of attention to detail there. Yeah. Um, how did you feel when you got the first copy and you got to see it put all together for the first time?
1: Yeah, I was quite pleased actually. I thought, well, you know, finally, this dumb lad's done something. I was <laughs> just sorry my dad wasn't around to see I'd done something, you know.
0: But I know it was important for your granddaughter. You wanted to. Yeah, I wanted, well,
1: I wanted the record out there, yeah. and I wanted it to be as accurate as I possibly could because, as I say, I've read, read books, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of rubbish in them, and unfortunately. I mean, somebody who's probably only 30 years, he probably wasn't around when the quarrymen were around, or even the beagles were around, they will write a story and they will put, uh, you know, something in it which is wrong. But someone will read that book and think that's the truth and then they might even write a book themselves and they say, well, I remember reading it, you know, so I thought, no, no, let's, let's get it out there the best I can, you know.
0: One of the biggest mistakes that I saw made about your story was that uh, um, yeah. Percy Phillips Recording Studio yeah. um, in, it had your name but Ringo's face on a plaque right. for yes. several years, yes. which made me very annoyed. So I don't know how you felt about that. Oh, I was
1: very annoyed. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had a reception in the uh, the pub down the road, the pilgrim. Mm. Uh, and I sought out the, the guy who'd made it, you know. And I said to him, "Why did you know? Why didn't you contact me for a photograph?" She said, well, "I didn't know how to get hold of you." I said, "There's about a dozen Hantons in the phone book, and they're all related to me, you know." So.
0: But you're there now because I've checked. Yes, <laughs> I've been and I've taken a photo, and I'm really sure pleased that you are there.
1: Yeah, I believe you did it. But he made me another one at the time uh, with my my face on it. It wasn't a good likeness. It wasn't a good copy, you know. He sort of chopped a big hunk out of my head, so. Mm-hmm. Um, you made two, one for me and one for the Beatles story, and then it took a while before they decided they'd have to do a proper one. So. But it's there. It's
0: it there now. <laughs> when you were putting everything together for the book for Colin, was there anything that you were reminded of that you'd completely forgotten about or anything that surprised you about putting your story together?
1: Well, to be honest, there's probably a lot of stuff that I'd forgotten about, but really I had the advantage of meeting up with all the quarrymen in 97, and it's just strange, you know, when you sit in in after the, in a pub or an airport lounge or something, you know, and we start talking, and then you sort of, you know, oh, I remember that, and yeah, oh, I've forgotten that. So all that came out. So all that was fairly fresh in my in my memory, you know, just dates. So it was no good on dates. Yeah. You continually to getting told off for not having a diary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't that have been lovely? It wouldn't been brilliant. <laughs> but how many people? did keep a diary, you know, and, no, in their younger no. years, I certainly didn't, and
1: don't know I mean, today, if have. I had a mobile phone, everything would be on it, wouldn't it? Lots more photographs, you know.
0: Well, I was going to mention the photographs, because there are still wonderful photographs in the book. Right. Are they all ones that you'd seen before? There are a lot of personal family photos, obviously, but the group ones, there's a nice one of you all playing, rosebury Street. Oh yeah, I've seen um, all them.
1: Yeah. Oh, they're up in the bedroom somewhere, they're up in the bedroom, and <laughs> they're in the bedroom, yeah. Because uh, I was friends with Charlie Roberts, you know. So, yeah, yeah, I'd seen all though. In fact, I had a couple of the original ones he gave me, with everybody signed the back. Apart from John, John didn't sign it, but Pete Chapman signed and Eddie Griffiths. They all signed it, but yeah, not John, unfortunately. It's
0: a shame. Well, still lovely to have. Yes. Yeah. Um, the book is interesting because it ends with you putting your drum kit away mm-hmm. um, and then not touching them again, as you say, until ninety-seven. So what was it about 97? I know that's when the anthology came out but there were other anniversaries and things around that time too.
1: I do remember the anthology coming out because uh, well, I, was, I was self-employed at the time. I had a place over in I uh, No, over in Frodgham. I moved from Rumcorn to Frodgham so I was up to my eyeballs in work when mm. um, I got a phone call from Apple to say they're going to put this... They may or may not put this song on me anthology and you may or may not be on it so you know okay how did you
0: feel about that
1: I was so I was so full up with work I just I just didn't want to be bothered with it Mm -hmm. at all so in the end I just said oh you know whatever you think is you know whatever you think is fair or something so I'm not bothered so I think you said 500 pounds or something so Mm -hmm. I said if, if you think that's fair you know, okay." But then I phoned Rod down in London and he said, oh my goodness, what are you doing? You know, it's worth more than 500 pounds. I said, well, I couldn't be bothered Rod, arguing with him, so. He got me a lady lawyer down in uh, Blackfriars or somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it started from there, so. 500 went to 5,000 and a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. So in the end, I got a, a hefty check on. But what the, the, the thing that clinched it, she said to me, you may not, may not be on the anthology. But then, uh, do you know Billy Butler, Radio yes. Merseyside? Been friends with Billy for a long time. He played the anthology on the radio when I was in work, and I think it was Free as a Bird he mm-hmm. played. So I phoned the station up and said, can, ask Billy, you know, can I have a talk to Billy when he's finished his show? So he came on and said, what's up? I said, that anthology is, you know, uh, spite of All the Danger on it. I said, oh yeah, you're there, spite of All the Danger, and that'll be the day. Yeah. He said, You're in the write up, you know, Colin Matton So I said, Well so I phoned the lawyer and I said, Look, that record is already made, it's already been on the tel- on the radio. So she said, Right, they've been lying to us, so that just chopped the legs from under them. So Wow,
0: what a shame. it it should be such a brilliant thing, like a, a celebration really. Yeah, they should have just paid me what, what it was a shame. worth. Because I was thinking back, as I said to you before we started recording, that's one of my favourite songs, and that anthology it, it brought a real resurgence again, an interest into Beatles, particularly early Beatles, Quarry Men, and the, yeah. their kind of whole yeah. history. And that's probably the first time I would have heard that song. Oh
1: right, um, well yeah, on the anthology. The anthology. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Do you remember much about that particular day?
1: Well yeah, it's all etched in my mind because Colin all. He's made coming. you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't remember it. I mean I think the plaque I think the plaque is did the plaque have the fourteenth on it or something? Yeah. Yeah, well it wasn't the fourteenth, it was the twelfth of July. Okay. I know it's the twelfth of July because back in the day it was the Orange Lodge mm-hmm. parades, if you remember then. Mm-hmm. And um, my wife, well, my girlfriend, my wife now, you know, she had friends in the Orange Lodge. And when we went, sort of around dinner time, I think, to Percy Phillips Studios to record it, I mean, we just did record recording, and all I wanted to do was get my drums home and get back into town to meet you and to watch the, the parade. So, no, it was the 12th of July. And I know it was 17 shillings and sixpence each, which is <laughs> three shillings and sixpence between us all. I mean, Paul, when he does his show now, he said, you know, we all paid a pound each for. Well, yeah. There was five of us, that would have been five pounds. Yeah. That was a fortune back yeah. then. People were working all week for maybe six pounds. I don't know if you were a labourer, but yeah, so we all paid our 17, well, our three shillings and six pounds.
0: Had you rehearsed it much beforehand?
1: Yes, uh, so, well, that would be the day was one of our favourites. Whenever we played, that was always played when we did on stage, but when Paul had written this one, yes, he, he wanted us down at his house. Maybe three or four Sundays, I don't know. But mm. that's when the first time I saw John Duff. He was on the piano and we were playing stuff. And Paul kept stopping and going on and said, No, no, I want this No <laughs> <laughs> Just the same as now then.
0: <laughs> just the same as now, yes. Yeah.
1: He left me alone actually. I got a, I could get a bit fussy about my drums. I didn't like people telling me not to play. I mean I was only very basic but you know, I didn't want him telling me do this, do that. Mm-hmm. So he left me alone.
0: It must have been, well, I was in a band as a teenager and we would always go to our drummer's house because obviously all their kit was there, oh, right. so it's probably a pain for you getting your kit over to Paul's and wherever.
1: It was a very small, well, it was a very small drum kit, yeah. there it is on the Yeah, it's on the front. So you a, just picked it up and went? Well, I just carried the bass in one hand, the snare and the small tom-tom with the cymbal with the stands just went into a large suitcase, so I had a suitcase in one hand mm. That one and the other, you know. It's quite easy. Under, under the stairs on the back of the bus, go upstairs and have a cigarette. You do <laughs> could have uh, gone at any time, couldn't you? Well, they? yeah, it would have worried me <laughs> leaving it there. I <laughs> know well, they were always there. I don't think anybody wanted them.
0: <laughs> what struck me in the book was that your mum had such a leap of faith in you to get you the drum kit because they were very expensive things to buy at the time. What do you think it was that convinced her?
1: I don't know if it was a leap of faith, I think, um, she's actually in the in the film, Mom, step stepmom, of course, uh, in the film she said, because my older brother had a trumpet, mm-hmm. she thought it wasn't fair, if I wanted drums, I should have drums, yeah. so uh, she went to Frank Essie's with me to sign for them, because I couldn't sign a higher purchase agreement, so, they didn't think I was going anywhere, to be honest with you, they just knew I wanted to play drums, yeah. 'Cause I bought a pair of drumsticks much earlier than that and I used to play on the furniture. Mm-hmm. Just to whatever was on the radio, or put a jazz record on I think. So No no, it wasn't a leap of faith so much.
0: <laughs> just as you wanted to have it a just either. I just
1: wanted to play drum make a noise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as Eric Griffiths my friend who had bought a drum kit, that was it. Came to my house to listen to me, put a jazz record on, tapped away with it, and he said, Right, well, come down to my house and meet the rest of the gang, you're in the quarry, man didn't ask me if I wanted to be, I <laughs> <But laughs> was, the <laughs> was the only person in the whole world who had a drum kit, so...
0: Yeah, you were quite a unique commodity if you had your own drum kit, it kind of made you quite special, didn't it? You well, it
1: did, it meant, and I think John, although he was very, he was very standoffish at first, because he didn't take the people immediately, and he tended to weigh them up to see if they were going to be any kind of a threat to his authority or whatever, and I was a couple of, well, a year and a half older than him, but... Um, yeah, no, it was. There was many uh, skiffer groups around, but I don't ever remember seeing people with drum kits. In fact, when we used to go out and about, people used to say, can we body a drum kit? No, way. no, way. <laughs> no <way. laughs>
0: So you didn't have an audition as such for the Quarrymen?
1: Only when uh, Eddie came to my house and I tapped along to a jazz record. I mean, that was it. I mean, I don't, no matter how bad I was going to be, they were going to have a drum kit in mm-hmm. the Quarrymen. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got back, you know, Joan helped me to, to do that Colin Hatton quarryman thing because, uh, you know, like June Creeper, he had his name on the drums, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know if Buddy Rich did, but they were the people I used to watch, so I just did that. It was nothing special, but I just thought, you know, Colin Hatton quarryman, so...
0: Did he um, help you do the lettering on the drum kit itself?
1: Yeah, Joan helped me. Oh, Joan, lovely. Because he had bits of cardboard we Yeah, I, yeah.
0: And, and coloured them in with... Uh,
1: that pen or something, and we actually stuck them on with sellotape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, later, people, um, bands were putting band names on the drums, weren't they? So what it's nice that you got to have your name instead. I think that's a bit more special. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more about you then, isn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really being big-headed. It was just, I don't know, it was just something I thought, you know, we should do, yeah. Yeah. But if you look closely at some of Charlie Roberts' photographs, yeah, you can see the line which is actually the sellotape, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least they never fell off.
1: No, they never fell off, actually, no. So that's
0: no. Good. <laughs> um, Another thing that struck me about the book was that it was edgy being in a band then. It could be dangerous at some of these gigs and some of these clubs that you played at. Was that something that surprised you? Did you mm. get nervous? No, no, I think
1: that's something that's... Some of the other lads, unfortunately, have sort of over, over-egged that. Mm. Or something. And I, I never felt threatened or bothered, I mean... I mean, good heavens I mean. No, I <laughs> I mean okay, there were gangs around, there were teddy boys around. Yeah. But I just you know, I just minded my own business and i was doing a gig and pick my drums up and go home. I never I know the, the lads did get chased and the Ts bass got trashed and that but you know, I, I never really felt, you know, particularly threatened or frightened, you no. Know?
0: Is it a bit of a stereotype that John would like try and get into fights and things like that? John wouldn't get into a fight. Yeah, yeah. John
1: certainly wouldn't get into a fight. I mean, there were people who wanted to fight John. I've seen many occasions, but John would just talk them to death. Mm-hmm. You know, until then, eventually, he just got fed up and, you know well, he's not going a fight. Mm-hmm. We did the um, we did the Labour Club in Belle one time. We'd started to move and John got embroiled with some kind of a, an argument with this sort of big teddy boy, but there's another lad with him who'd recently started working in the factory that I was working in. Anyway, I think the other lads were outside, you know, waiting to go, and John was stuck with this guy, so in the end I just went back in and said, like, John, come on, John, you know, you've got to go and get the bus, you know. that sort of edged John away from him, and then uh, I said something to this other lad, and The big teddy boy said to him, is he okay? And he said, yeah, he's okay, you know. (laughs) So we were off. Oh,
0: that's all right. But I mean,
1: I didn't, yeah. You could talk your way out of it. Yeah, I thought, I'm not going to leave John, you know, standing there. But I mean, the others were halfway up (laughs) the (laughs) road.
0: Nice. (laughs) What are your memories of the fateful day when you played the church fate in Walton? I know you're still very much to do with... um, the church
1: there and the... Yeah, well, we go up quite a bit. Yeah. I do a lot of meet and greets these days. Yeah. So, What's you know. that
0: like?
1: It's very enjoyable, actually. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe, you know, the people that I've met from all around the world, you know. Some people can't even speak the language. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people that have start, started crying on my shoulder, you just wouldn't really? believe it. Yeah. I mean, there was a guy, there was a family from... Um, where was it from? It might have been Mexico or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and the guy t- couldn't speak English, so he was talking to me, and he introduced me to his dad, you know. And I shook hands with his dad, and his dad's tears were just rolling down his eyes.
0: Wow.
1: I know. A lady from Spain with her husband or whatever, you know. She just started sobbing on my shoulder when I was at Penny Lane. I said, look, don't, you don't need to cry. Don't, Please don't cry. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> So it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially that young girl that uh, we had a a birthday party at Strawberry Fields recently and I met this young, well, American family. The daughter couldn't be much more than 14. And she said she learned to play guitar and sing, but she said the first song I ever learned was In Spite of All the Danger. And I thought, she's a 14-year-old girl and that song's like 60-odd years old. Yeah. That's the first song she learned. Incredible.
0: Do you like listening to it?
1: Not particularly.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I've played it that many times, it's just one of those things.
0: Yeah, I'm it? sure, yeah. And you you still played it when you get back together. We did, it's on our set list normally, yeah.
1: because, I mean, the way we, we've succeeded in the concerts that we've done all around the world is, you know, we, we've started with something like Rock art and Line, and then we'll tell the story of Lonnie Donegan, and how he inspired all, you know, the teenagers to get a teach us bass or whatever, and... and get up you didn't have to go to night school to learn to play music and you know and then we'd say yeah 20 flight rock well that was the song that paul played you know to get into the Quarrymen. Mm-hmm. i've seen them on television saying this is the song that got me into the beatles yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the beatles <laughs> Quarrymen. but <laughs> well, that's the way it was it just we we just work our way through um del viking song you know come go with me mm-hmm. that was the one that all records we were doing on stage in the afternoon when he saw John for the first time and he said John you know was making up the words when he sang come 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 down down come down down with me to the penitentiary or something Mm -hmm. Uh, which he thought was quite good because it sounded American Mm -hmm. but the trouble with us I mean we couldn't afford to buy records I know John used to borrow a lot (laughs) I mean, there was no borrow. Borrow, yeah. Okay. and there was no, and he never took them back to Woolies, but it's <laughs> <borrowed them>. Okay. <laughs> but I um, mean, we did have sheet music, so you most of these songs were played perhaps on Radio Luxembourg. But mm-hmm. because of apparently because of the you know the atmosphere, the signal could only get to England in after dark. I don't know how that worked, but that was it. You see. So the lads would say that, you know, they were waiting for the Luxembourg for this song to come on and they would scribble as many words down as they could but you wouldn't get them all down. Yeah. And then when you go to play Rock Island Line again, <laughs> you know, you might have to wait till the next Sunday night or something, you yeah, know, yeah. so come go with me, so, well, you know, down to the penitentiary, that sounds American, so he just put that in. We got away with it. Nobody tricky. else knew it. <laughs> <you. laughs> no, <laughs> <Nobody> that's <laughs> true. Nobody else knew we were wrong. <laughs>
0: Um, let's talk about the film then, how you went from book to film. How did that come about?
1: Uh, right, well, obviously the book was out and then this was all before Covid. Hmm. Um, but a guy called Mark Bentley, who was a Florida lawyer, uh, he came over to Penny Lane Community Centre and he wanted to meet me. So we sat there and chatted and they bought the book. Uh, and then he went back home. Two weeks later, he phoned me up to say he thinks this would make a good full-length documentary film. So I said, "Great!" I said, "I've got no money. Don't look at me. <laughs> Do what you want." <laughs> so that's it. They started making the film. They came over to Liverpool. I think they must have been over two or three times. You know, they had me in the car driving them round. Well, Bootle, where I was born, first of all, uh, and showing them places of interest. You know. They were in strawberry fields, and they took us down to Abbey Road. Recorded us in Abbey Road, so it just, you know, it was pretty good. I mean, I didn't have to do anything; just turn up and play. Oh, lovely!
0: (laughs) And they just used the book. They just used the the book pretty much as a basis,
1: yes. So, um, you know, so that was it. Eventually, well, we finally got the final, the final okay. We asked Paul took A while to ask Paul. We, mm-hmm. part, we asked Paul if he would consider doing something in it, and eventually he said yes. Uh, in fact, not eventually, eventually, apparently, when they, they asked him, then they, they had a contact who put the request on the pile of Paul's papers on the top of the pile. And when he read it, he said to his staff, I'd like to do something about that. So right away, he thought, Well, I'd like to do something about that, which is nice. It's a good contact to have as
0: well.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we got. Um, he got his own people in. He got his own film company in, or whoever. And you know, he just filmed himself sitting in one of his houses talking about the old days. You know, lovely. It was like. I've yeah. seen
0: a clip of him talking in it, and the trailer for it is terrific. Yeah. It's already out in the states, um, and it opened the Florida Film Festival. It did to standing ovation, and I you did. couldn't be there because you got COVID. I, is that right? Well, I was fine, it wasn't <laughs> I? Just it, because <laughs> the you couldn't because, go because
1: the thing came back as, as COVID. I mean, that was it. I couldn't get on the plane, so. Colin Hall went with Sylvia you know and then the other one I think was the Cleveland Film Festival but I don't know why I didn't go to that one but now they're doing this uh, there's one in Florida Tampa a uh, nice theatre that they're doing very soon well there's two there's two coming up that's why we had to record this this message for these two places so yeah it's uh I think the Taking around trying to flog it, aren't
0: they? Mm-hmm. So it should be out in the UK very soon. Colin Hall oh, tells so. us. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah.
1: We've been people have been asking me for three years when's the film coming out. A now. bit. He keeps saying, "Well, this year, or, this year or, well, maybe next year." Now, so I mean, there's not much left of this year to be fair. So mm. surely it's got to be out right by next year. But I have asked for them to do a a premiere at the fact. Yes, please. and they're talking about doing a premiere in Liverpool and London. But I said no. You know. Liverpool's the place, you've yes. got to be shown in Liverpool, so yeah. hopefully will be a Premier in, in Liverpool.
0: Terrific, as they should be. What was it like watching that for the first time, because it must be one thing having the book, but actually seeing everything up there on the big screen, you're up there, your friends, family.
1: Well I haven't seen it on the big screen, I've only seen it on my, my, my laptop to be honest.
0: Oh, you. so you'll see it at the premiere, in so Liverpool I'll then? I'll see it
1: in, yeah, in all its glory, <laughs> and I'll probably be hiding at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking, oh my God, what was doing? Why was it scratching? What was he you know Because <laughs> you don't think when you're doing it. You're, you're fixing the you
0: <laughs> Were you pleased with it when you saw it on your laptop? Yeah,
1: I was, yeah, was, was quite done? pleased with it. Yeah, yeah. When I saw it. Yeah, and they've chopped Paul about a bit. You know that the interview he's done, they've moved bits of him around, and he actually says something. This is where the Beatles started, which is nice. Was it? I don't know, but that's what everybody tells me. <laughs>
0: You're um, you're very humble <laughs> about it You haven't heard me all. play
1: drums, have you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Oh, have you? Where? Where? I've seen you online and I've listened to... Oh, online. Yeah, yeah, online. yeah. Um, well, with the film, I guess this will bring even more attention. To you and to the quarry men, how do you feel about that? As you say, since '97, you've been touring, playing the world. You'd me- do meet and greets in Liverpool now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind that attention?
1: No, no, it's, it's, no, no, it's okay for me. Uh, I'm quite pleased to see the reaction of people when they, you know, as I say, I've had people crying on my shoulders. for yeah. No reason other than they've just met a quarry man. Mm. You know, so no, it's, it's, it gives them some pleasure. I'm more than happy with that. But... As you say, we've been to Russia three times. Did four concerts in Russia. You know, been over to Siberia. Did a concert. Really? <laughs> yeah. What was that like? <laughs> it was like it wasn't cold. Okay, that's <laughs> it wasn't good. Cold, but that was fine actually. It's just, uh, yeah, it was just amazing to be honest with you.
0: But you go in the world, there's someone wearing a Beatles t-shirt or a Beatles <laughs> yeah, bag, yeah, or yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, you been to Japan as well and you've been Mexico. To Japan? Did you take did you take Joan as well? Did I the wives come? No,
1: no, no. Joan over Johnny Johnny, Joan, Joan ever came to me the first one which was in um uh, the Netherlands. Mm. Oh, I can't think of the name now.
0: What does she make of it all?
1: Uh, I don't know, it's hard to figure out. <laughs> I don't know if she impressed or not, but Yeah. <laughs> she did it, but she came she flew on that one, but she fainted on the plane out there and she oh, had to be no. taken off in a, a wheelchair, and that was all very stressful. So, I think she tends not to come now because she knows I'd be sitting next to her waiting for her to faint, you okay. know, so the pressure's off. So, no, what stays in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, <laughs> okay? Yes,
0: that's for another book, <laughs> that's a tell all, yeah. That's what we say, what
1: stays in Las Vegas. Well, that was it, Las Vegas, you know. Met in the airport with a big stretch limo. And wow! Taken wow. take down the the strip, as they say, of all the.
0: What was it like <laughs> playing there? I bet the audience were crazy. Yeah, enthusiastic. Yeah, and enthusiastic. And enthusiastic yeah. yeah,
1: we do get enthusiastic audiences. Sure.
0: <laughs> Are you still gigging now? Are you still doing? Yes, we gig? were yeah. in
1: Bristol at the weekend. Uh, last weekend was it in Bristol? Did a gig down there. Trouble so is, there's only Rod and myself. Really standing now, mm-hmm. Len's in a wheelchair, he can't do much. I mean, if we play in Liverpool, I'm sure we could get him out in his wheelchair, because yeah. he did stroke me fields in the summer. We were the first people on the bandstand to, to perform. Um, so there's just Rod and I now, so we call it um, the Quarrymen and Friends. Nice. <coughs> so we're down in Bristol <coughs> and we had um, John Duff's son. Playing piano with Lovely. us, which was good. Yeah. And he's happy. So he was, it, it went so well. We, I said to Rod, we should, we should ask him to join in. So he's going to go to Germany with us in, in September. And probably in we've got two gigs, one in September, one in October. So he'd probably go to both of those. Wow, that's fantastic. But we also had a fellow called Mike of the Four Pennies. Do you know Mike of the Four Pennies? Do you know Juliet, the hit record? Apparently they only had one hit Three record, records. Juliet. But he sang that as well. and. Uh, John Duflo harmonised with him because he's a chorister and he did a really good harmony with him but he had a t- stand-up bass and he also had a keyboard as well so. Fantastic and then there was uh, Dave Bedford I don't know, he, he writes a lot of books doesn't he he plays guitar and bass so we've had him with us for a while Great and then there was um, Billy Bragg he did uh, Rock Out of Mind with us mm-hmm. First of all, in the afternoon there was a and a where we sat in front of the screen and screen dropped and there was tickets for the afternoon show and then there was tickets for the evening show so he interviewed us for that but later on he came on stage with us and he did rock out of line Brilliant. but you know we talk I've got, p- I've got pigs, I've got horses he said I've got Lego, I've got big Lego and he went through all kinds of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <He's> <laughs> well, it just
1: went so well.
0: Yeah. Do you get nervous?
1: Uh, not as much as I used to. I used to be terrified, to be honest with you. used to get the shakes and everything, well, back
0: know. in the beginning or after 97 when oh, you got back Oh, after 97, together, man,
1: right. but, I mean, you know, when they took us to Japan, the, the band that took us out to Japan was a... Uh, well, I couldn't even call it a heavy rock metal. They were just they were just a mad group of Japanese people, and mm-hmm. that music was so loud, we couldn't stay in the, the hall to listen to them. But, yeah, that was terrifying. But When we went to Japan, I mean they were so organised, they gave us a little diary, you know. Ten o'clock meeting the lounge, quarter past ten the taxi would be there and they'd take the rehearsal studio. So we got to this rehearsal studio with this these mad Japanese band like watching us and we started playing our pathetic you know That's not fair. Yeah, no it was, it was (laughs) pathetic. And you could see the expression on these guys' faces going like, you (laughs) know, Ah, oh, what have we booked here? <laughs> but they did a song for us called Well just it was just Quarrymen. 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 And they went on stage, although they were doing the second half, they went on stage for us and just started doing this thing, they like, Quarrymen, men. Brilliant. Quarrymen. Got all the audience going, so it was a tremendous row when we were eventually, you know, introduced onto the stage as, as the quarrymen. Wow. And every now and then they would squat down like old men. So I don't know, whether, we never figured out whether they were taking the Mickey or what.
0: <laughs> Have you been back? <laughs> no, I haven't been okay. back.
1: But we did, um, we did uh, Tokyo and then, you know, we put us on a, um, the bullet train down to Osaka. I've done that. Have you been on that? Yes. I like those foot pads. You know, it's you can crazy. have metal ones if you've got your shoes on. You flip them over you.
0: It's like being on a plane, like first class plane. That it's doesn't incredible. take up. I know, yeah. Do you think there's um, there's a story to be told, really, of the Quarrymen, isn't there, post ninety seven? Much in
1: the book. This is uh, yeah. well, Rod's doing one now, so Rod might Rod might Great. be the, the next good book out, yeah. Because ninety seven, who does the water? Is? We've been going longer than the Beatles, haven't we? Yeah, twenty odd years. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, we we got back together for Gene Catwell, to you know. Don't forget, my drums are on the water for forty years. Yeah, I haven't done anything.
0: And you just hadn't touched them, they were just there, you hadn't thought about it. it just
1: there. My girls, I'd get them down occasionally and let my girls play on them, but mm-hmm. I was very precious for them, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I was not never thinking like that many years later I would sell them for a huge amount of mm-hmm. money, but it, I was just precious about them they yeah. were my drums, yeah. so I let the girls play with them. They had to play upstairs, they couldn't bring them downstairs. Did
0: you show them how to play it? <laughs> well, not really, just okay. let them mess about.
1: Okay. But anyway, Jean Cattell... Uh, contacted someone, I don't know, Rod maybe, and said, Would we do a one off charity concert for Saint Peter's Church Hall to, you know, raise some money for it. So gosh, I said, Oh God, I haven't played for forty years, you yeah. know, it wasn't much good forty years ago. I don't think I could do it, so but then the phone started going, Rod was phoned me. I talked to Len, you know, I don't know, I think maybe Pete Shot was on.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you all in touch anyway? No, no, we no, haven't seen each okay. other you know, for years. I wow. mean I
1: had it clipped up in Edinburgh. I'd, I'd, Eric lived up in Edinburgh, I hadn't spoken to him since he left the quarryman, basically. Oh. He didn't even own a guitar, he had to go and buy them.
0: <laughs> what was that like, getting back in touch then, after Well, it was strange. Years?
1: It was strange, but I must go back just a little bit to yeah. so the beginning of the year. I think the Cavern was having its 40th anniversary, and we were all invited as individuals. Mm-hmm. And I was working over in, I was self-employed, had my own business over in Anyway, I was contacted, you know, to say go to the you know, go to the cabin on this particular night and Rod phoned me and I said, oh, I'll see how I feel, Rod, I've got, you know, got a lot of work to do and I wasn't overly keen to mm-hmm. go there. But uh, eventually, like, you know, I got a phone call off Rod's, Rod, he said, e- Eric's come down from Edinburgh, you know, uh, Pete Shotman's come up from the Isle of Wight or wherever he was and uh, he said, you've got to come down, we're all there, sir. I said, okay, I'll, I'll pack up and, and nip home. So "Okay, came home and had a shower, I've got changing." I went down there, went to the cabin. You're not getting in. You're not on the list. You're not getting in. <laughs> I stopped now <having laughs> This is just typical, isn't it? So I went into the grapes anyway. And had a...
0: What, really? They weren't
1: joking? No, they weren't they joking. They wouldn't let you in? No, no, to they the wouldn't cabin. let me in. No, they, they <laughs> wouldn't let me in. So, um, uh, yeah, so anyway, I thought, so this way. So I over I thought, not come down here for nothing. So I went over to the grapes and I got half a pint of Guinness or something so like that. I just have this and I'll jump the bus home and then, oh, actually I phoned Joan to say, like, there's no problem. There's a problem. I can't get in. I'm not on the door. So uh, I was just having a Guinness and I'll come home. She said, well, Rod's been on the phone. Where are you? Where are you? I said, I'll go back and try. I said, but mm-hmm. I'm a bit old for fighting with dormant. If you don't let me in, I'll be on the bus home. And just as I walked over there, Rod came out, you know, and of course, the doorman said, Oh, he was he was here like ages ago, you know. So I was in then. That's when we met, you know, Pete Shotten and Len Gary, Eric Griffiths, and we had a few pints of Guinness. And then uh, Rod, Eric, and I decided we'd go around the corner to a Chinese for something to eat, you mm-hmm. know. So we were just heading up for the door, one, and one of the staff stopped us. They're like, Where are you going? So I said, Oh, well, we're just going for something to eat, you know. He said, Well, no, you can't. Granada Television are coming down to film you. <laughs> I said what? I said yeah, they want you on stage.
0: They <laughs> just sprung it on you. They <laughs> just sprung it on me. Yeah.
1: So we couldn't go there. So we all huddled up together, like, and like we said, well, you know, when they come, we'll have to get on stage. You know. So they all borrowed guitars, you know. And Eric, because had yeah, he didn't own it, he had to turn sideways. So you know, he didn't want people to see what he wasn't doing. What. I got behind the drums, there was no sticks, so I ended up playing with my thumbs, you know. We did a couple of numbers and...
0: You, pl- <laughs> you played that night? We had to play, it the hardest there. <laughs>
1: so we couldn't really get out of it. But anyway, we all, you know, we all drank up and we all went our way. You know, Eric went back to Scotland and that was it really. But then, say, Jean Cattle put the call in. So it was Pete naturally actually who said, look, why don't we just get together somewhere in Liverpool and see what happens? Mm-hmm. You know? So, Eric, uh, Len guy said, well, you can use my house. So, Rod came up from London with a tea chest bass and a washboard. And he, he didn't play banjo then, he was playing guitar then. And there, uh, Pete Shotton came up. Eric went and bought a guitar, came down to Len's house. I got my drums, t- tidied them up a bit. We all met in Len's house, you know. Mm-hmm. Set that up and he said, Well, what do we used to do? You know, and then we always well, we said rock out of line, railroad build, lost John, and then we thought about John. And Pete Sharp said, Well, okay, you know, we know John's gone, but you know, let's have a go. So we just started doing, playing skiffle like we did, and we were all 18 year old kids again. It was yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. It's brilliant. So I thought, to, so Pete Sharp said, Look, if you can do that on the day and you realise we're doing it for charity and we haven't played for a long time, so it, It'll be acceptable. so He said, okay, we'll do it. So then the day is getting closer and closer. I'm thinking, this is crazy. We can't play in the afternoon and do a grand dance. You know, we haven't played for ages. So I phoned Rod up and I said, Rod, this is crazy. You know, we've got to have some kind of rehearsal or something. So we said, okay, so we'll talk to the vicar, you know, see if he can get the hall the Friday night before. Mm -hmm. So we did, we all turned up the Friday night before and that we had some kind of rehearsal. I took a load of beer down again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I see where this is going.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that was it. See, we just said, well, if, if we do that on the day, you know.
0: And the rehearsal was okay. We rehearsal? it. Well, it was
1: yeah. just, yeah. It wasn't particularly good music, but it was just what we used to do. Yeah, so, yeah. So that was it, you know, and then we said, right, that's it. So on the day, we turned up at St. Peter's. We got on the back of the lorry, you know. Uh, it was funny because there was no... There was no health and safety when we got on the back of the lorry.
0: I didn't know they put you on the back of the lorry again. Yeah. yeah, they put us
1: on the back of the... Well, there's, there's a clip on the, the film of us brilliant. going round, going round Walton. In fact, there's a piece in the local echo, uh, Quarry Mania. <laughs> That's
0: <laughs> brilliant. Thought it was good. It's brilliant. So yeah, we went
1: round the village, then we went to the field, we got off and then, you know, we did the concert in the field. When we'd finished, we were walking back to the hall. People were stopping us for our autographs <laughs> and that, you know couldn't believe this signing autographs and then people were saying have you got a cd and i said we just heard that a lot <laughs> you think we got a cd <laughs> then there was the grand dance and we got away with it, it went well pete shot and sang uh was he singing my life or a mansion can't remember now pete shot and sang one and there's a lot of girls in the front crying their eyes out you yeah, know yeah. Uh, so it, it went well you know and that was it we unveiled the plaque on the sunday uh, Eric Griffiths had already gone back to Scotland. There was a service in the church where the choir sang, you know, Imagine and stuff like stuff like that. Uh, then we unveiled the plaque, and that was it. Shook hands and we all disappeared, you know. And I think someone said, "Do you want to go down to Derby, the yeah. biggest fan club in Derby?" So we decided we'd do that. That was only a sort of drive down, do it, and drive back. It wasn't particularly good, but then uh, the phone went and said, do "You want to come to Ultric?" That's what I was thinking, Ulrich. So we all said yes. Joan came to Ulrich. It wasn't particularly good for Joan, you know. She, but we had a good time, you know. Uh, in the afternoon, they had a question and answers thing. We had to, and we had to, we had to ask them for the answers. <laughs> well, Which, I was, We don't know any of this. You best tell us. Yeah, answer, I was
0: going to say when all that first started again. What were you being asked? Just kind of everything, Just everything. minute details. I think Beatles fanatics are obsessed with like the minutiae well, right, of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, the worst one. Well, the, the most common one was what John Lennon. What was John Lennon really like? Mm-hmm. Which is a hard one to answer. Mm. I ended up saying to people that well, John was all things to all people. It depends. Yeah. Some people liked him. Some people hate. Him. Parents hated him. All the kids would tell, "Don't play with that Lennon because he'll get you into trouble." So, yeah, but that was it. We did all trick, and then before we knew it, got a caught, do you want to come to uh, Cuba for a week? So we can't pay you, but we can fly you out there, put you in a nice hotel for the week, which they did. It was the Hotel Havana. uh, No, Hotel National in Havana, right on the coast. But when you're walking around this place, up and downstairs, there's photographs of, uh, you know, all the old stars, you know, or even Churchill, all those people walking, you know, George Rafton and Sinatra in the young days—they all walking up and down the same, same stairwell, you know. So that was it until the Wednesday, and then on the Wednesday we went to the American Theatre and performed, uh, and that was it. Next morning they put us on a bus, took us up the coast to Valadera, where there's a modern hotel right on the beach, you know. Wow. It was a ten-minute walk from the hotel to into the water, you know. <laughs> Whatever the sea was—I don't know what it was. Atlantic, was it? Pacific or something, I don't know.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. But then I got a phone call from uh, Eric. He said, do you fancy making a CD, Colin? I said, oh, that's a great idea, Eric. Put the phone I said to John, forget, it. You know, <laughs> forget <laughs> it. So by the time he, you know, he finds out what's going to cost you, he said, it, 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 it won't happen, don't worry about it. You know, A couple of weeks later, he phoned me up to say, what are you doing on Sunday? So I said, why, what's up, Eric? So I booked a recording studio in, in Liverpool. Brilliant. Oh, OK. I think we all put, a £100 in or £200 or something. We all walked away after, <laughs> with the CD. That's great. It was incredible, yeah. <laughs> we weren't doing too well until we had a break. We all went down to pub. <laughs> after that, it went much better. That's the theme, isn't it, with you guys?
0: You said um, parents didn't like John. What did your family make of you hanging around with John and being in the quarrymen?
1: I had no. I don't think my dad was too keen. Mm. But I think my mum, because she was my step Yeah. I mean, she was only 11 years older than me, mm. which I didn't realise at the time. It's only now that she's 95 and I'm 84. I think, my goodness, yeah. you know, back then it must have been incredible. Because I remember when they first came to our house, John and, and Pete Shot and all that, we were going... It from the hall into the living room when Mum was coming out, you know, that was it. Well, who the hell's that? You know, that's oh, that your Mum. Patch your Mum. All right, let me see. Keep your hands off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep your hands off. So anyway, we had this. Suddenly, we had this. You know, CD, uh, and that was it. Started selling well, and well, that was it. You know, just come to Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland. Uh, Italy, Spain, you know, you name it, we've been there, Japan, as you say, Russia, America, we've been all over America, been to Canada, went to, uh, where do we go in Canada? Vancouver, we went to Vancouver, Mm -hmm. we landed in Vancouver, then we were flown straight away over to Vancouver Island, and that was funny because we went through the airport when we got to this little airplane, there was this 17 year old kid loading our bags into the back of the plane, you know. And when we got in, he clapped up and went into oh the parasy, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 and he flew us out to the Riptide Theatre, where we were there for, the, well, overnight, but we played the, the concert. And when we announced that this was our last song, as soon as we'd finished our last song, the audience just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So Eric said, I didn't think we were that bad. You know, they've all run away, because nobody won autographs okay, or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. So Eric said to the manager, what well, happened? They've all run away. Oh, no, he said, it's the last last ferry. She said, you oh. got to run for the last ferry or they <laughs> get stuck on the island all night. So you weren't that bad? No, we weren't that bad. Then we went back to Vancouver. And I remember getting to Vancouver and there was a hotel lady, an airport lady was supposed to be looking after us, you know. She took us to a side door, she had a thing. So she called up a, a stretch limbo. She said, oh, that looks a bit tatty, so told him to go on, to call up in the, another stretch, but it, it was more presentable <laughs> the Quarrymen.
0: <laughs> the Quarrymen has a great website where they can see upcoming gigs and appearances and things like that. There's also a section on there about myth-busting, and you've talked a bit about that already, but what are the strangest myths that you've heard or the most annoying or persistent <laughs> that you wanted to put to rest with the film and the book?
1: Well, unfortunately, I can't really answer that because... Most of them are in friends' books. I see! (laughs) So I can't, you know, I can't (laughs) diss my friends. They have put stuff in the books, which, even when I told them that was wrong, they still insisted on on putting it in, you know. know, Charlie Roberts said he made the first drum head. you know. I said, Charlie, you didn't, Joan and I made it, you made the second one. Well, I thought I made the first one went in the
0: book okay i see that's why you had to do yours really wasn't it <laughs> you had to do your own mm. um thank you so much for chatting no, you're it, welcome it's been Was such it? a pleasure thank you yeah I'm, i'll be ha- I'm happy to talk to you again but the um the bird clock's gonna go off <laughs> so I, I would like what bird is it what is it uh the wren is it it's it? a wren yeah
1: it's a uh, wren so oh, we will listen for the wren anyway we'll get them on there
0: yeah, yeah. right let's get let's get the wren yeah. in the pod um uh, and if anyone wants to see you guys, I mean, you're out there. You're touring, <laughs> right so there. it's yeah. to go on your website. I'll leave a link for it so that yeah. anyone can go on there and um, yeah. see where you'll be next.
1: Just catch, just catch, with, you know, Rod Davis, and he does all the organising. I say it almost came to a stop over COVID because nobody can go anywhere, but it's back on again. I say we've been to, we've been to, we went to Germany. The weekend we went down to uh, Bristol.
0: There's the link very nice. One thing, if, if you've got time, yes. one thing I meant to ask you, um, Paul has always mentioned the Quarrymen and the beginnings of the Beatles and how important they were and he names checks you specifically quite a lot, particularly when he did his gig here in Liverpool. Yeah. What was that like when you had the entire arena <laughs> <Lucky> <laughs> looking at you? <laughs> And you had to stand up, didn't you? He did well, he, I, he played in spite of all the danger and then he mentioned you and said you were in the yeah, audience. Yeah, he did.
1: Well, um, Frieda Kelly, you know, Frieda yes. Kelly, we friends with Frieda. She knew it was my 80th birthday on the 12th of December. So she got us VIP tickets. So we went backstage to see Paul before he went on, you know. Lovely. And I said, oh, Paul, I did a little sort of man hug, yeah. not much. And um, I said, this is my wife, Joan. And he said to Joan, oh, you married a corner man. She said, no, he married me. Good. And then he said, this is my wife, Nancy. Then he said, the uh, spite of all the dangers, doing well, isn't it? You know, that's record. So then somebody else called him and he had to go. But then, as you say, in the when he started doing the quarryman thing, yeah. yeah. But it does annoy me because there's myth, myth, myth busted. Okay. It, it didn't cost a pound each. No, okay. It cost less than one pound for the whole thing. Paul said we all paid a pound each. Well, I'm going to bust that on you, Paul. <laughs>
0: That's it. This is we're, we're publishing this now. It must be hard because I imagine he gets asked things so many times, and you just get an answer in your head, and he would probably just has repeated it oh, yeah. without yeah. realising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can you imagine if it had been a pound each? What would you have got for that? That's...
1: Well, we'd have probably got it on on uh, tape. Yes. The start of, Yeah, yeah. Which Percy Phillips said he put it on a tape, but he didn't because that would have cost one pound, another sixpence each for John and Paul and jumped. John said, "There's no way we're paying a pound, so we had to go straight <laughs> onto the, the vinyl, vinyl. Yeah.
0: which was narrowly saved, wasn't it, from being turned it into was. something else? A plant pot. A plant pot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's. I found that out in '97 when oh. we did the, the we, when we did the concert on the field. You know, I met this grey-haired old man. <laughs> so I don't know any grey-haired old men. <laughs> and it was Charlie Roberts, and I met his wife Sandy. And we were talking, and then. Apparently he ended up with the record, because I did loan it to him. He used to work in, um, I think it was Littlewood's Printing, and they had a PA system in the factory. Mm -hmm. You could take your records upstairs and give them to someone, and they would play them over the thing. So he had that record, and that was played quite a bit. So I think I'd lost touch with Charlie, and uh, when he had the record, his wife was melting records, making the black plant pots, and she picked that one up and said, oh, quality man, that should go back to someone. So I went to Duff. He was the only new guy he was in contact then, so...
0: Thank goodness.
1: Duff kept it in his sock drawer for a long time. But what we found out recently, that whenever they went on holiday, his wife used to pack it in the suitcase, because <gasps> she was, didn't want to leave it in the house
0: really? in case it got stolen.
1: But, I mean, you could have lost the case. It's anything. worse, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of
0: worse <laughs> to know that. <laughs> yeah. But at least we've still got
1: it. Yeah, at least we've still got it. As, as Duff said, you know, at least Beatles people can listen to this. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah Yeah, I'm certainly very grateful thank you for chatting it's been a real pleasure I really appreciate it and I can't wait to see the film
1: no I can't wait to see it on the big screen
0: yeah thank you Yeah. yeah